This week on Indivisible Westchester, the podcast, Disinformation. We look at how disinformation could disrupt the upcoming election. We talk with Mark Clapper of Indivisible Westchester and Kim Snyder of Indivisible New Rochelle about how to spot it and try to stop it. Mark and Kim, thanks so much for joining me today. It's so great to have you here again. You were on the guests. You were you were on the guests. <laughs> you were, start. Okay. You were on the guests. You were guests on the podcast. Three, two, one. Mark Kim, thanks so much for joining me today. So great to have you back. You were guests on the podcast once before to talk about disinformation and social media. But now the difference is we're seven weeks away from the most important election of our lives. Kim, you're the disinformation guru, as I like to say. What kind of disinformation are you seeing now? And how is it different from, say, the last election cycle? Well, in the last discussion we had, the last podcast, we talked more about the kinds of disinformation that was, uh, had been um, delivered via Russia to the United States. And I'd say the biggest difference now is how much more of it is homegrown. It's yes, there is Russian disinformation and and from China too, and it gets specially amplified. But the disinformation that we're seeing that's really really toxic is um, coming is homegrown, and also with COVID in general, there's been a marked increase in both cyber crime, interestingly, and COVID led to. They call it an infodemic, so a burst of disinformation all over the place. Like, if, wild. I, if I were to ask you for a quick definition of what disinformation is, what would it be? Disinformation is false information. Now, it's not the same as misinformation, which you'll often hear people saying. Misinformation is when you make an error. So, say a newspaper or a show publishes a wrong date or a wrong birthday or just gets someone's name wrong. That's misinformation. And sometimes that gets corrected in a subsequent, uh, the next day. That's a mistake. Disinformation is false information that's presented with an intention to mislead. So it's, it's all in the intention when you think about how to define disinformation. I also want to discourage people from the term fake news because that has ceased to have any meaning in the era of Trump. It, just, it doesn't mean anything anymore. So disinformation is the proper name for any information that's put out there with an intention to deceive, with an intention of pushing a specific agenda. So it's wrong information. It's, 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 it's false information pushing an agenda. Right. Mark, what jumps out at you as being different this so, from what you see in the social media sphere? Yeah, I would, I would agree with Kim that a lot of it is homegrown. Uh, at the same time, um, you know, we can't eliminate it completely, but it does appear that people are much more aware that it's going on. And, and there have been several instances recently where you'll see something that starts to gain traction that's obviously, 
you know, intended to bait people or intended to spread some conspiracy theory, for example, and it's quickly called out and, and posts are quickly taken down or, or, you know, reported and taken down by Twitter and Facebook. That, that's happening with a lot more frequency than it was four years ago. And that's, that's a positive sign. It, it seems like everybody that's active on the, on the platforms seems to also feel like, you know, they have a role to play in, in kind of helping police the, uh, the activity there. So one of the ways that you can police the activity is to actually know that what you're seeing is disinformation, correct? So what are some clues? Kim, why don't you start with explaining, we recently had an incident with a fake, uh, a fake advertisement for a Black Lives Matter um, protest, as they called it, and it was disinformation. Explain how you were able to tell that this was not real. Well, the clues in the particular post, and it was shared through Facebook, it was particularly incendiary, right? And meaning to portray Black Lives Matter as a militant, as a very militant group. So, um, and, and it described chapters of Black Lives Matter, which there aren't actually. There is a graphic um, that had a bullet hole in it, for example, which is, these are not things that a Black Lives Matter rally is about. And it seemed specifically designed to portray Black Lives Matter as, okay, we're going to unite. We're not going to take this anymore. And I don't have the exact words. I can, can get it in a moment um, that was on the post, but it was inflammatory. And it, it's not Black Lives Matter. It was just, it was designed to get people from the other side to have a reaction and say, I'm going to put those people down, right? Mm -hmm. It was designed more to appeal to those who would protest a Black Lives Matter rally than an actual Black Lives Matter event. Right, so Mark, what are some other clues that you would say give things away? So, you know, those types of things, the obvious things, but an important, you know, important principle here is you have to be an informed consumer of media. If you see something posted and it's posted by, you know, purports to be from some publication or some news outlet, and you've never heard of them before, uh, that tends to be a clue. Um, you know, something else, at least on Twitter, that's very common is you'll see accounts that exist specifically to help spread these kinds of stories. And they tend or very often are older accounts. Like you'll see an account that'll say, you know, 2015 is the date that they, they started it and they have 15 followers. And, and the reality of it is, you know, you could get 15 followers in a day if you really tried, you know, that that's a hint that that account has probably been inactive and just activated. Um, you know, those are the, the important things really is, you know, it's verified information. It comes from a credible source. Uh, the information itself is not something that sounds, you know, either too good to be true or too ridiculous to be true. And, and we've seen posts with both. Uh, and just think before you share. And that's, that's the best, you know, uh, advice I can give. So I, I want to ask, a question that I think actually is is quite interesting that you know um, much of the disinformation seems to be homegrown versus Russian although we do see news reports that the Russians are still investing <laughs> heavily in disinformation right here um, trying to be disruptive 
as the election draws near. But my question is, how, how, what is the difference between something that's homegrown and something that is born? Or is it hard to tell? Sometimes it can be hard to tell, you know, and, and sometimes they have very specific campaigns, but so does the homegrown stuff have very specific campaigns. The homegrown stuff lately, it really has an edge about it. I mean, in our country right now, things are tense like they've never been. And you can really see it in the disinformation that's hitting, um, that you know that that's showing up on um on various channels and twitter and in facebook there there's there's a rage to it that that um is a little bit different than something you'd see say from russia russia mimics stuff that goes on in the united states and i think the the stuff that's made here comes with a slightly sharper edge Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's more on, I mean, it's, it's, it's homegrown. Yeah. Very often, you know, I think the, the, the stories that are bigger now tend to be hybrids where they help get started and spread, you know, through, let's say a Russian troll farm. And those are things where there's like just a hashtag, you know, and there've been several of those that involve Biden, but I, I don't want to repeat what they are. But um, it's a hashtag or an idea. And then you'll see some of the uh, more notable right-wing Twitter accounts that are notorious for this kind of stuff will pick them up and start pushing them themselves. And then the next thing you know, somebody like uh, Donald Trump Jr. will tweet about it. And then it starts to explode and take off. And, and so there's this hybrid action. It was, you know, and that's another difference from four years ago. You still had a lot of that going on. But four years ago, the Russian troll farms didn't do a very good job of really disguising themselves. And you would very often see multiple tweets that were repetitive, but also shared the same grammatical errors and just were not very fluent in the English language. Um, so it was like an old episode of, of Taxi, for example. <laughs> but... Uh, but, um, and you would see tweets like that going around and you would know where they came from. Right. You know, but the, the, the only thing that they do now that I think, uh, you know, is an obvious giveaway is very often you'll go to bed at night and then you wake up in the morning and there's some new ridiculous thing trending and it started trending in the middle of the night. Wow. And, and most people seem to agree that that's a sign it originated in Russia because that's middle of the day for them. So... What about videos? I saw recently there was a video that Dan uh, Scavino, who is a, one of the uh, assistants to the president, I believe is his uh, title, tweeted out one of these videos that had been doctored of an interview with Biden. And this seems to be happening more often too. But that got caught really quickly. And, you know, Mark mentioned this earlier, but this cannot be under um kind of understated because it's really important the fact that today as opposed to 2016 there are people there are there are several dozen people and a few of them um jane litvinenko just to put out a name um aaron gallagher is another one who are looking at this stuff all the time and we have on um during our presentations we talk about 
following the experts. If you want to know what's going on and you want to be able to spot something that's disinformation, and it's interesting because one of, like some people do visualizations and charts. And so you can actually see a visualization of how something spread in which accounts were the ones that really pumped it out there, right? And so as, as Mark was saying, when Donald Trump Jr. pushes something out because he has so many followers, right? Then it really gets traction. And now there are people that put data visualizations of this so you can watch how it, how it came into being um, right out there. And I really recommend um, on the disarmdisinfo.com website, as part of the training materials, we provide a list of these people, follow these people. Mm-hmm. Um, even, especially if something feels too good to be true. Like this morning, I went online and I actually may put an article up on uh, check your confirmation bias, right? When I saw something posted about Craigslist. Now remember, Russia just wants to divide us. So we've got to remember that. And there was apparently a post on Craigslist for $12 an hour actors to show up at a Trump uh, you know, rally or whatever in Cincinnati, right? And I'm like, oh man, but wait, hold on, hold that, right? And that's what you have to tell yourself because my confirmation bias is like, oh wow, got him, right? And it's like, let's see if this is true or not, right? So just to let the listeners at home know, uh, Mark and Kim and Lauren, who does a lot of our indivisible Westchester social media and also is helping with Westchester Pride in New York, right? You guys have done a fantastic series of workshops, boot camps, we should call them, on disinformation and uh, social media, which is much more in depth what we're talking about now. So we will include, you know, in the links to this episode, how to find all that information. And Kim, you have this fantastic website that you maintain, Disarm Disinfo, which has all of this information there. So that this kind of leads into, you talked about it a little bit, Kim. My next question is, what do you do? Like, if you see this, what is our job as you know, citizens who believe in a democracy to stop this stuff? I mean, what do we do about it? You pause before you share something. So that, that's probably the number one thing and you pause before you share, right? Even if it's like too good to be true, like that Craigslist thing, stop right. it. Whoop, whoop, stop it, right? If you see a friend posting or someone you know, someone in your circle posting disinformation, then you might, I don't call people out publicly, but you can direct message someone and say, hey, you know, I think that might be a little, uh, too biased or did you check the source on that one because friends don't let friends post this information if i post this information i want you to tell me and i don't want to be spreading that stuff and those are two kind of big things if something hits you emotionally it goes straight to the emotions it's like and either outrages you because facebook makes more money on outrage than any other emotion if it outrages you or if it's like, yeah, got him. Like if it hits you right in the gut and bypasses your brain, really give it a second thought. And I'm gonna actually pass it now to Mark who has a lot of good stuff to say about amplifying the right stuff. Yes, because that's really important because amplifying, I mean, I've read a lot that says that especially like Facebook, it's a real echo chamber for the right, like for conservative voices have been able to kind of break through much more 
than we have on more the middle to the left side of the spectrum. So Mark, what do we do in terms of amplifying and helping get our message across and knowing what to amplify and what not to amplify? So yeah, a few tips on amplifying. So, you know, essentially the, the, the basic rules are it's things that are positive about the issues, about the candidates, about, you know, the high school football team that you want to talk, talk about. Um, you know, and, and the basic rule there is share those, like them, retweet them. Um, if you want more people to see something, the best way to do that, especially on Facebook, but it works on Twitter as well, is comment on it or share it. Uh, likes on Facebook really don't do anything, but both Twitter and Facebook have algorithms. And the more actions something gets, the more likely it is to appear in the feeds of the people that you're friendly with. Mm -hmm. That's critical. You know, a couple of other things you can do. I always say, you know, be authentic, post in your own voice. Um, some of the best locally, some of the best Twitter users that I know, when you read things that they've posted, I can hear them saying it because it's, it's their voice. Mm -hmm. And that's always a good rule, but it's especially a good rule on social media because it helps build a connection with the people that are seeing your stuff that may not know you as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's always good advice. Um, on the other side of the coin, uh, and I cannot stress this enough, uh, do not comment on posts that you disagree with. Um, it only amplifies the post and makes it more visible. Post things that you agree with instead. Going into comments or replies on Twitter and arguing or making fun of Mitch McConnell or Trump or whatever is not going to accomplish anything except maybe let you vent, right? Um, if you feel like you must respond to them, and I'm as guilty of that as anybody else, leave a drop a fact and then leave. You know, Trump likes to post a lot of false information about COVID, for example. Well, there's countless charts and facts and figures about, you know, the actual impact of COVID and the number of cases and the death rates and so forth. Just drop one of those and move on. You've done your job. But saying anything else is only going to help bump that message. And, and you really don't want to do that. Um, you know, and beyond that, as I said at the top, um, you know, only share and post verified information from reliable sources. As Kim said, if, if you know, you have a doubt about it, it, it's worth checking it out before you share it. Gotcha. Well, this has been great information, very useful. Again, I want to encourage everybody to go to the website, disinfo, disarm, disinfo, dot, is it dot com or dot org? Dot com. Um, a, a great resource. Thank you again for doing all of the boot camps and uh, those boot camps. There are links to them on the website. And yes, think, think before you link or share, and you know, just be vigilant. Right? It's up to all of us to to do what we can to yep. keep this under control. Right? So, thank you for everything that you've done, and thank you for joining the podcast today. Thanks for having us. And let's look for a good outcome in seven weeks, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Amplify the right stuff. That's right. Amplify the right stuff. Yes. And we're going to end on that note. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Indivisible Westchester, the podcast, member of the Demcast Network. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on our website at indivisiblewestchester.org. Take care and keep on resisting.